0: Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Dear listeners, one of the pictures etched in my mind from the time of the COVID-19 pandemic is that of a procession of Italian army trucks carrying away the bodies of COVID-19 victims. There were too many bodies to handle, and this emergency measure had to be taken. It was a grim procession, deathly surreal. It impressed upon us the serious and stark reality of the coronavirus. The scene scared us. Could this happen in our country, too? Luke seven eleven through 17 is an account of two processions. It recounts the raising of the widow of Nain's son, and Christ thereby revealing himself as the Savior from death and the Lord of life. Christ had performed many miracles, and people came from far and wide to be healed by Christ. Even simply touching Christ led to healing. Christ's preaching and miracles were intended to lead people to faith in him as the Christ the Son of the living God, the promised Savior. But we don't read about many people coming to faith. The healing of the widow of Nain's son was a rare occurrence in the ministry of Christ because it was the first of only three times that Christ raised someone from the dead. There's the widow of Nain's son, the daughter of Jairus, and Lazarus. It's striking that the Jews never brought to Christ someone who had died. They brought many sick people, but no deceased person. Apparently, it was not on their radar that Christ could and would raise the dead. This makes Christ's raising of the widow of Nain's son so important. It was a powerful statement that Christ is the Savior from death and the Lord of life. As he approached the town of Nain, Christ was confronted by the misery of death. He encountered a very sad scene. A young man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. The woman was a widow, which means that she had already lost her husband. Now her son had died too. It was one sorrow after the other for this woman, as she had to bury another loved one. The son was still a young man. So, this was not a very elderly woman with an already elderly son who had died. He was young. Parents don't expect to bury their children regardless of age, but especially not when their children are still young. The death of a child is always extra sad. In the early years of my ministry, I had to lead funerals of several young children and a young man, and I clearly recall how heart-wrenching those funerals were. I'll never forget those funerals. In the case of the woman, this was also her only son. Sons were important in Israel because they passed on the family name and because they were supposed to provide for their widowed mother. All of that was gone with the death of her only son. The future looked very bleak for this woman As she headed toward the cemetery. A crowd was with her. This was a funeral procession similar to what we are familiar with today. As was customary among the Jews in those days, the crowd would have been wailing loudly. They let their deep emotions show. Christ was moved with compassion for the mother and said, Do not weep. Christ came into the world to deal with such situations and has feelings for our brokenness. Later, Christ would weep openly at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. This passage is a study in contrast. There was a considerable crowd with the woman, and the disciples and a great crowd were with Christ. One procession met another. A dead man was at the head of the one procession. Christ was at the head of the other. The one was a procession of death, the other a procession of life. It's the contrast between the prince of death who instigated the fall into sin and death and the prince of life. Normally, people give funeral processions right of way. Today, the lead car navigates its way through intersections on the way to the cemetery and traffic allows the entire procession to pass through. Christ did not give the funeral procession right away. Christ intervened and stopped the procession. Christ even touched the buyer, which was a frame on which the body rested. Touching the buyer, or let's say the coffin, was about more than stopping the procession. This was about Christ taking upon himself the curse of death. The Old Testament teaches that anyone who came into contact with death would be unclean for a number of days. Contact with death could involve touching a dead body, touching a grave, or even touching a human bone found in a field. By touching the coffin, Christ became unclean. This stipulation caused the Israelites to be very careful what they touched. We can relate to that fear of touching certain things because of our experience with COVID-19 and all the warnings about being careful what we touch. Why was this so in Israel? That's because anything to do with death had to do with the reality of sin. Death is a constant reminder that sin came into the world. Physical death was part of the curse which came into the world because of the fall into sin. When God forbade mankind from eating of the one tree, God said, In the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. God wants nothing to do with sin, because he is a holy God. And therefore the people of Israel became unclean if they came into contact with death. This meant that when they were unclean, they could not enter the temple, the dwelling place of God on earth, because an unclean person cannot be in the presence of the holy God. Death defiled because sin defiles. The message of the gospel, however, is that Jesus Christ came into the world to atone for our sins? Christ came to take our uncleanness, sin, and curse upon himself and to carry it to the cross of Calvary. Touching the young man's coffin symbolized this. As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21 For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him We might become the righteousness of God. And then Christ proceeded to show that he came into the world to break the power of death. Christ told the young man to arise. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and then Jesus gave him to his mother. Sorrow turned to joy for the mother and the crowd. This pointed ahead to the fact that by his death and resurrection, Christ would break the power of death and triumph over death and the grave. It's telling that the first time Luke himself refers to Christ as Lord in the narrative of his gospel is in this passage. It's used earlier in quotations of what people said, but this is the first time Luke himself uses it. Luke is thereby emphasizing that Christ is the Lord of life who came to conquer death. And Luke is thereby conveying how important this miracle was in the ministry of Christ. The raising of the widow of Nain's son spoke of things to come. For Christians, the curse of death has been removed because of Christ's death and resurrection. Death is entrance into eternal life. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible and live forever in body and soul, not to die again as the widow of Nain's son would die again. We share in this good news by grace through faith. What was the response of the people in Christ's day? They said that Christ was a great prophet and that God had visited his people. But they referred to Christ only as a great prophet and not as Savior from death and Lord of life. What is your response to Jesus Christ? Do you believe in Him as Savior from death and Lord of life? If so, then a funeral procession of any kind does not have to make you deathly scared because you have the deep and only comfort that you belong with body and soul both in life and in death to your faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening and have a good week.